Hello, please let me see your ticket stubs for the Double Edge Double Bill, where you get two film and or media discussions for the price of one, which is nothing. Each week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to randomly select the yin and yang of a double feature. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for each episode. Let the chaos begin. I am Adam Thomas. And I am Thomas Mariani. I am your father, Adam. Oh, that's crazy, because I'm older than you. That's but not, anyway. <laughs> look, it's time travel. It's like a Back to the Future thing. It was weird. Um, oh, wow. That's but we're not talking. That's a different sci-fi franchise, right? What are we talking about this week, Adam? Well, we are talking about Star Wars in honor of Solo, a Star Wars story coming out. Yes. Which, uh, nope. <laughs> What, but isn't the best thing about Star Wars seeing how everything started, right? That's why the prequels are the best movies, right? Dude, I mean, I don't need to see the fucking castle run. I don't need to fucking see it, and I know they're going to show it. So I literally am not going to watch that movie, and I don't care if I ever see it. See, I would be that way. And then Donald Glover smiles as a Lando, and I'm like, oh. I know, but it's just going to make me angrier because it should have just been a Lando movie. But, you know, I, I'm curious, Adam, uh, what is your relationship with Star Wars? Because I don't know how into the franchise you were or are to this day. I'm not like some other people that you and I know as far as Star Wars fanatics. I definitely grew up with it, the original trilogy, especially. I mean, I loved those movies. I've seen them I don't know how many times. You know, growing up, Harrison Ford was the coolest dude in the world to me because not only, you know, he was Han Solo and Indiana Jones. It was amazing. I saw The Phantom Menace at the theaters, and then that was it. I didn't see another Star Wars movie in the theaters until Rogue One. Night uh, Force Awakens? You didn't see it in the theater? Nope, and I didn't see Last Jedi in the theater either. Oh, are you not a fan of the new movies? Uh, eh, Force Awakens is basically just a new hope again. I mean, I like it enough, but it's nothing special. And I got my problems with The Last Jedi, but at least I can appreciate that they tried to do something a little different. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I like it a lot. I I didn't read any of the novels. I didn't watch a lot of the cartoons or anything like that. So, Well, it's interesting because I'm a bit younger than you are. We mentioned this earlier. And it, it's weird because I also grew up with the original trilogy, but it was mainly through just like that last VHS release that they did before they did the special editions. Like that was my <laughs> first exposure to Star Wars. I saw that at like five I watched those tapes, and I did it over and over again. Oh, yeah, it blows your, it blows your little mind. Oh, my God, yeah. It, it, just, yeah. it was insane. I was also the perfect age to see the prequels and appreciate them so much. Like, Revenge of the Sith was the first PG-13 movie I ever saw by myself. Oh. Yeah, which I felt like hot shit because I was 13. I'm like, yeah, I'm an adult and, now. Star Wars and... is dark now. <laughs> now that you're in your mid-20s, how do you feel about those movies? 
they don't age very well, but I don't hate them in the same way that, say, a lot of other people do. Like, I love the Red Letter Media reviews of those movies, but at the same time, they're just more like, they're movies from my childhood that don't hold up that well, versus, say, the original trilogy right. does. and everybody's got those. I right. mean, honestly, everybody's got those. I had Neverending Story and, you know, The Labyrinth and The Dark Crystal when I was a kid, and a lot of those don't hold up now. I mean, they're still fun for me, but a lot of people are like, these are terrible. I would argue so, all three of those ex- act examples that you mentioned, some of which I didn't see until I was actually an man, adult, I interestingly enough. I can't do the... I can do the other two. I can't do the Dark Crystal anymore. Oh, shit. Well, I can't. when we do our puppet episode, I know what I might be pulling on. <laughs> fuck oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's get back to... So, speaking of something with sure. puppets, Star Wars. We have our double-edged double bill here. I have two good movies, and you have two bad ones that are within sort of the Star Wars sphere of things. So, right. uh, Adam, why don't you go ahead and pick a number between one and ten? For me. Now, would... no Jedi magic. Don't don't read my mind with that Jedi magic. Uh, I'll go two. Number two. Number two, which is quite close to one, which was Return of the Jedi, which will be celebrating its 35th anniversary, interestingly enough, coming up. Mm-hmm. And um, what was the other one? My other one, which is at number eight, was Spaceballs. Oh, see, I didn't even... That. I would never even have thought of that. See, yeah. Uh, God, that's one of my favorite movies, too. So, Return of the Jedi is the light side of the Force, but now, Adam, we have the dark side. Now I must choose. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna go for number four. At number three, which was closest, obviously, number four, is the Star Wars Holiday Special from 1978. No! <laughs> no! That's yeah. impossible. Well, of course it was going to be on there. And number eight was uh, <clears throat> the Caravan of Courage. Oh, the Ewok. Was that the first or second Ewok movie? I think that was the first one. Oh my god! I think we'll have more to talk about with the Star Wars holiday special, Adam. Yeah, yeah, I, do. I agree. That was the original Star Wars spinoff. That's the original Star Wars story, as we're spinning off the original trilogy. Yep. That, that, oh my god. <laughs> Good to start at our roots. And I think, if you look at the solo trailer, there's a point where Chewbacca hugs a Wookiee. I'm betting that's his, I'm betting that's his wife. I want to see Itchy and Lumpy. I want it to be oh, canon. Oh, God. I want it to be canon. Better happen. Yeah, it's the not going to happen. If it was a Chris Miller or Phil Lord movie still, that probably would have happened. I'll bet you that's on the cutting room floor somewhere. Oh, <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it is. Reference. At least by name or something. Yes. Absolutely. But that's a different discussion, and we'll be right back with our double feature right after this. Return for the climactic clash between the forces of good and evil. Return to a galaxy far, far away. Return of the Jedi. The quest continues. The circle closes. The saga lives on. Return of the Jedi begins May 25th at a theater in your galaxy. And we are back with our double feature. Uh, Before we get into that, Adam and I are not alone here. There is another podcaster. That would be my friend... Sam Bertuxen. Sam, how are you doing? 
Well, all I can say is I'm feeling like a star and I can't stop my shine. And I love Cloud City because I'm here to perform for you, but I'm not Han Solo. That's a deep cut reference. It's a deep cut, but it's, it's important to remember, folks. <laughs> to, to the Star Wars Connect game and their parody of the Jason Derulo song. Right. But he's so happy the carbonite is gone. It's moving well, on. He, yeah. Clearly he is. You could tell by how enthusiastic he was in Return of the Jedi. Um, but before we get too far, Sam, uh, you are our first guest ever on the show. And would you consider yourself a Star Wars fan? Some would say number one. Someone would say to infinity. In all honesty, I'm, 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 I'm casual to a fairly big fan, depending on what we're talking about. I'm going to go on record and say I was opposed to Sam being on the show. I had to really fight Adam for it. Um, it was, yeah, you really big, did. Um, I almost quit. <laughs> we threaten every episode to quit. We're three episodes in, and we keep threatening to quit the show. Is that our running gag that we're just like, fuck it, we're done? I think so. Every single it's actually, Yeah, why not? <laughs> well... This is the double build fuck you for today's episode, alright? We're both out. <laughs> well, I'll be talking alone about our double feature, Return of the Jedi, and the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, but first, let's do Return of the Jedi. Let's do our good first. Um, the third in the original trilogy, sixth episode chronologically, premiered May 25th, 1983. We are mere days away from its 35th anniversary, which is interesting. Uh, directed by Richard Marquand who wasn't really known for, like, big science fiction epics. He was a British director. Um, the movie that got him this job was a movie called Eye of the Needle, which is a World War II thriller starring Don Sutherland that I actually just watched prior to us recording, and I would very much recommend. And you can tell that George Lucas kind of hired him on for that because of a lot of the interpersonal character drama that I think carries this movie, which often gets a lot of shit, especially at the time compared to Empire and Star Wars. Right, guys? Oh, absolutely. The important th- distinction here is that certain critics, uh, I'm not going to say majority of them, kept focusing on the Ewoks. The Ewoks are such a big deal. But at the core of that movie was a lot of, like what you said, some really good interpersonal dialogue that led to some pretty interesting revelations. Would you agree with that, Adam? Absolutely not. <laughs> Damn it. This is, I am definitely on the edge of the not really favoring this one now compared to some of the other shit that's come out since i mean it's it's good it, it, to me it belongs in the third spot of the original trilogy but it belongs in that third spot over episode one two and three you know what i'm saying so it's right in the middle for me this one i got issues with it i mean i but, agree that there are issues with it it's not just the ewoks if anything the ewoks i think as sam has mentioned have gotten so much shit over time but my biggest problem, and I think we can say this up front, really is we reference Han Solo. Han Solo's got a movie coming out. They have no idea what the fuck to do with Han Solo in this movie. That is the biggest crime. It's just Harrison Ford is stumbling around, not knowing what to do. I it's know. clear he wanted to be killed off at the end of Empire. And that's he's really the only major character I have much issue with, just because he seems aimless. Basically, ever since he came out of Carbonite, it seemed like he, he was aimless. But I also think that may have something to do with the, the stuff he was doing on set. Or he just flat out stopped caring after that point. Well, I mean, yeah, that's well, part of it is definitely that he said before that he wishes that Han had sort of died after Empire because he feels like his arc kind of completed there. And I can see that. Um, but at the same time, dude, if you're hired to do the job, 
<laughs> do the do the fucking job. No, I yeah. completely agree with you. <laughs> uh, and and that's the problem that Harrison Ford. Did, what fuck, man? The last fifteen twenty years, everything he's in, he just doesn't give a shit. Like you could tell, he doesn't give a shit. And he publicly hates on all the movies of his past, and how he wishes the character would die, and I'll only do this movie to kill this character. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what, man? Go fuck yourself. But anyways, one of my big problems with this one, right off the bat, is the stuff with uh, Han Solo. The the whole slapstick shit with him being blind when they're on the sail barge just has bothered me since I was a kid. Especially... The fucking way they kill Boba Fett. I don't understand people's fascination with that character. I really don't. Am I missing something? He he has a cool suit though, Adam. But that's literally really cool. it. But He's but Adam service. and his ship's pretty cool too. But that's literally it, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly. Hundred percent <laughs> it. Like what? I don't understand why people are so fucking crazy over that guy. Uh, but well, it's like where's the IT88 and Boss gloves? Why aren't they getting re- receive the same amount of love that he does? Or the dude with the fucking elephant nose in the first movie? Whatever the fuck that with the welding goggles and the elephant nose. <laughs> where's that guy at? Yeah. I don't know his name. The most important <laughs> Star Wars character, welding guy with a uh, welding guy with yeah. elephant nose. And if you look oh. on Wikipedia, that is his name. <laughs> <laughs> welding glasses, elephant nose. <laughs> yes. Middle name Snorkels. Yeah, snorkels. Hey, <laughs> only his mom calls him Snorkels. I don't, but I. Boba Fett, where? Just get. I mean, oh god. Okay, yeah, just go, just talk. I'm getting. Well, a but you know, I'm gonna, What I will say is, I think the big thing that really works in this movie, and what honestly has not just my favorite stuff in Return of the Jedi, but my favorite stuff in the entire Star Wars trilogy, is mm. all centered around Luke here. I think this is Mark Hamill's best performance of his entire career. I love a lot of the stuff where it, the whole movie is his journey of reflecting back on his past, right from we start at Tatooine and deals with the fucking awful crime that he grew up around. He then goes over to Yoda, finally faces the fact that Vader is his father, and you know has the revelations with Leia about his you know, their connection as brother and sister, and then mm-hmm. finally the actual confrontation stuff with Vader... I think some of that is the best stuff of the trilogy, including the big climactic lightsaber battle, I would argue is the best lightsaber battle that's still ever been depicted. I agree. It's not fancy and full of flips and silly somersaults and shit. It's them just hacking away at each other. You know, he's just showing pure anger and rage. And uh, I agree. This is the best Luke Skywalker ever in film. And probably, like you said, the best Mark Hamill. Luke, Luke Skywalker... You get the sense as soon as he walks into Jabba's palace that he is not the man with whom to fuck. Like, he is just ultimate badass now. And he's got such a cool arc to his character and the res, you know, the resolution that has to come from the final fight. It's just, yeah, Luke Skywalker's a fucking badass. I love Luke Skywalker, man. I'm sorry. I can't. No, you know what? I'm not sorry. I am not. <laughs> But, but He's not sorry for that, or or uh, committing uh, uh, violent crimes against Boba Fett. You're here, folks. But at the same time, like what works about all that is that it's really built up with a lot of those scenes of him and Vader interacting, like the big scene where they kind of like confront each other in like the hallways of sorts when they're on the Endor base, 
and it's the whole thing about like um, that my father is truly dead, all that other stuff. It also shows mm-hmm. a really good vocal performance from James Earl Jones and even David Prowse in the suit. You get a lot of emotion out of, especially this is the movie where like fifteen different fucking people portray Darth Vader, especially if you have the special edition version and Hayden Christensen shows up. Cause oh, Hayden Christensen! <laughs> oh God! But uh, Sam, what about you? What are your opinions on Luke Skywalker's arc in this film? It's great because like he loses the na- na- um, naivete from the uh, first film, and he's at a point now where he's he's grown up. The important thing here, I think, that I want to point out as well is interaction with Yoda um, mm-hmm. at the very beginning. And that is is surprisingly, despite that he's interacting with this puppet, it feels like a surprisingly grounded moment for him in a way that I, I, I really appreciate it and in the way that, um, was it, uh, Frank Oz uh, did Yoda. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, Frank Oz's vocal performance as Yoda was just was awesome. Yoda was such a great character when I was a kid. Now that I'm older, and maybe you guys won't agree with me, but I think Yoda is kind of a manipulative little prick. When you really think about it, he's honest about who he is. No, he's not. Well, okay, so there was, at least at this point, that's why I think the thing is in Empire. I I do really agree with what Adam's saying. He is very deceptive. You can tell there's a lot of that run over from the prequel Jedi Council oh, no, shit. He's, he's giving bad advice in Empire, but like here, I feel like he he's because unfortunately because of his condition, he is actually like yeah, I have to slow down my role. I have to I have to actually tell tell some facts to this guy. That's what deathbed. Yeah, well, yeah. You do a lot of self reflection on your deathbed. And that, I I really agree that I think that's what makes him like that. Also, feels like a completion of Yoda's arc overall. It's him finally just coming in terms of like, look, I I treated you in this sort of way of training the Jedi just because you were a lot more you know angry and young, but now it's clear that you've grown as a person, and I have to tell you the truth and honesty and what because of who you've clearly become at this point you have completed your training as a Jedi. And I, I love that moment so much, too, and Yoda even, like, disappearing and all that stuff. Well, uh, I'm gonna quit the show now. It's fun while it lasts. Yoda bashing, Boba Fett bashing, it's all here, okay. folks. Admittingly, I'll say, my big, my only problem with Yoda is the fact that he, he clearly looks more cross-eyed in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. He does. That's the one issue. Because there was a point where it's just, like, I... Vader is indeed your father, and it's like you, you might want to like move your eyes a bit. You don't know what he's sick from. Maybe <laughs> that's part of the fucking problem. Who knows? Maybe that's the symptom. Maybe he's got he's got some fucking space alien disease. Who knows? Well, yeah, he's also been living in a swamp. That's right. True. Some sort it's like of dip- he's got severe <laughs> diphtheria. Get out of my swamp is what he would have said in the DreamWorks rendition. Blue my skin color was. I was not originally green. (laughs) (laughs) But I think what also works about that is the fact that Lucas actually didn't originally have that scene in there until he talked to a child psychologist and they told him that like, well, a kid isn't going to believe that Darth Vader is truly his father unless you really confirm it from somebody that they trust. And I I think that's part of what I think really works about that. Because I would heard people, and maybe Adam, you can say this about this as well. Even though I watched, like, the original trilogy in, like, a, you know, sort of like a one-weekend thing when I was a kid the first time. I mm-hmm. still remember sort of that night after I watched Empire thinking, like, he's lying, right? That, like, can't be the case that he's actually the dad. He's just a villain that's lying about something. And that scene really crystallizes it. And I think really removes all doubt about that particular element of it, and it is necessary for the movie. You know what? Yeah, I could see that. Now, I never thought he was lying, but I was also really, really young when I first saw these. I'm talking maybe three or four. 
And uh, I think my dad was saying the whole time, like, even in the first one, my dad's like, oh, you know, that's his dad. Like, just ruined the whole damn thing. <laughs> but, but so, but no, I could definitely see that. I never even thought of it that way. But yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, good. Then that slimy little green shit had to, had to admit at the end. Good. Fuck him. Well, speaking of old Jedi characters, <laughs> um, you got to at least love Ian McDermott as Emperor Palpatine, right? He absolutely steals the movie for me. I absolutely love Palpatine. And even now that he's become a joke and a meme, now that it's, you know, however long, 35 years, with the, you know, the blah, blah, complete. (laughs) Where it's complete everything. He's what they wanted uh, Snoke to be in the new series. But it just didn't work. Well, it seems like in Force Awakens, definitely, J.J. Abrams kind of wanted to be that. And then Ryan Johnson was like, Nah, yes. fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. But no, I love I love Palpatine. I, and you know what? Even in the um, the prequels that came out, Ian McDermott was my favorite in all three prequels as well. Oh god, when he's literally just chewing scenery in three. And oh, he just doesn't give a single shit. Yeah, like well, that's the thing. Like I don't think it's like it's not his fault. But I his performance was at least goofy enough to keep me interested. From from those the, those Borfests, so like I at least appreciate that. Considering he was doing like some of the goofy shit, I never thought I would see Palpatine do. Well, plus you can also see like the it feels like a better version of like a prequel in terms of you see the origins of the smugness that this guy would have as sort of like a senator who's coming up in the ranks, and here that's fully crystallized because he just has that knife that he keeps prodding Luke with the entire movie, which is so great. Oh, okay. I, I I love especially my my favorite. Palpatine moment ever is when he just says, oh, I'm afraid this battle station will be quite operational when your friends arrive. <laughs> like, the way he twists that is just, like, just so twisting into his back. It's it's so wonderful, and it really like, escalates a lot of that scene with, like, him, Vader, and Luke. Is that, that, that stuff is some of my favorite stuff in the whole trilogy. Well, the other thing, too, is I don't want to stress is just, like, you mentioned, like, we, you, there are characters like Snoke and other characters in, in, in movies, uh, television shows, and books that have tried to duplicate that, that Emperor Palpatine uh, uh, caricature. But the problem here that they can't imitate is that Palpatine in this movie is, is on the opposite end of the Force spectrum, where he is basically just, just basically evil abstracted into this one character, whereas Luke is on the opposite side of the spectrum. But the thing about both those characters is that they have uh, not only good, like, I'd say good writers working behind them, but also have good actors. The the music also services them well. Uh, The the scene, like, honestly, the scenes, the way they're lit, um, they they all service these characters in a way that help bolster them to making them be iconic. Right, yeah, the, the John Williams score especially, the the moment where Luke and Vader actually clash after he says the whole thing about, ah, your sister, that like almost like funeral dirge <laughs> um, moment is such a wonderful piece of score. How cool are his guards, like how they look, the royal guards with the right. red helmets, the cloaks and the staffs. They're so they're so good to make a comeback. Really and, well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's true, yeah, by Last Jedi, they're just like, oh, how are we going to do something? Yeah, let's just put them in plastic samurai armor. But have them actually do something. And really do something. Like, they were they were kind of bad, kind of badass, but still, the Emperor didn't really need them. They were show. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Palpatine, he can shoot lightning from his fucking fingers. What do you need those guys for? Look at my but, pimp-ass uh, gods that are just here. I don't need <laughs> them, but they're pretty fucking cool, right? Do they intimidate you, young Skywalker? <laughs> if I shoot lightning at them, they turn into disco balls, and it makes the party lighten up. <laughs> hey, these guys are pretty cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, drink the punch. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, we've talked about a lot about those Emperor scenes and stuff like that. What about um, the stuff at Jabba's sail barge? A lot of that other stuff with um, a lot more of the puppets... Um, and the Jedi Rocks number that everybody loves from the special edition. Um, what, what about that stuff? I, I, oh, God. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Don't bring that up. It's there. We can't ignore it, Adam. It's there. I'm ignoring it. I'm ignoring the shit well, out of it. Here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Is that it, just like with any band performance, it's like... Your lead singers shouldn't overstage the rest of the band, I feel. And, <laughs> and have an important set of band members here. I can't remember all of them except for the one big blue elephant guy, but they're all important. They're all part and, of the band. And, and who is and his like, name, Sam? Don't don't besmirch him without saying his name. Senior Max Rebo. Um, <laughs> he's, 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 he's an important part of that band. And he's so important that the special edition decided to render him his scenes like like even less important than they were before, which upsets me. Yeah, you get more screen time with that fucking weird frog that has the harmonica thing than you do Max Rebo in the special oh, edition. It's God. such horse shit. Yeah, it's, it's it's incredibly upsetting. Not to mention that uh, what's fucking Sliced Noodles and the other one, uh, who I hope aren't also racist caricatures, are, um, are like... Like, very, like, obnoxious. And honestly, like, Slice Noodles, I could see, like, some, like, actual vocal talent there. Like, if she was on uh, fucking Dan Tuane's next top idol or something, I could see her coming in maybe third or fourth. But that other dude, the, the one with the big nose, like, he was just burping. He wasn't singing. <laughs> well, enough of our music critique element of the same. What do you think about just the general, like, that first third or so at Jabba Sailbard? So aside from that, aside from that, I do love it. Um, I love it because it is basically what, it, like, movies like these, I, I, I definitely lean toward because I do love me some some creature effects, whether it be CG or all practical, just because I always pay attention to the, the creature design, no matter what's uh, shown. Um, but the thing that always impressed me with this is just how well immersed the creature designs and, and um, effects were lathered in the set like it felt like when i was looking at like jabba and then um and then uh what's his little little mumpkin uh it's like just crumb just like the way they mesh in the background it kind of looks a little like it just may be overly grandiose but it looks kind of like a like a painting in a certain way um it, but it's just the way it's shot and i really appreciate that they all mesh together, including the, the, the Twi'leks as well, who I think, actually, I, I really dig the design from, especially the slimy uh, second-in-command he has. Yeah, Cactopus head. Who, trivia, is the guy in American World in London who gets chased around in the subway. I actually knew that. Yes, yes he is. Same actor. You are 100% correct with that fact. Um, but yeah. What about you, Adam? <laughs> what, what do you think of the Jabba's Palace stuff? I love Jabba. Jabba, to me, was... I, he's so cool. He's and you know we always used to out try to try to outdo each other with impressions of Jabba growing up and stuff, which no one can do it 
better than actual that guy and Bill Hader. But um, I love Jabba's Barge. Everything looks like it fits. All the different races look like they belong there. Everybody looks dirty. Everybody looks, you know, scummy and up to no good. Um, Salacious Crumb kind of gets on my nerves a little bit. But uh, <laughs> for some reason, it doesn't with me. But it's just because, like, he, he, he laughs at moments I feel like that character will laugh at, and I can't find it irritating. <laughs> Understood. But, uh, no, other than that, I, I don't mind the Jabba stuff. I like the first, well, until they're on the, uh, like, the ships going off and the whole blind Han Solo stuff happens. I love the first 20 minutes of this movie. I think it's Wait. fantastic. The set design, the costuming, the creature design. Especially the, the way they portray the Rancor. Uh, the Rancor, uh, looking at this this movie when I was rewatching it, I was really impressed with the way they, they set that up. I know there's certain shots, like, I understand, I understand due to budget constraints, but the way it was shot, especially back then, I thought it was pretty uh, well done in terms of how they, they posed this, this creature. And, yeah, the Rancor is great. When the new additions were coming out, they were talking about redoing the Rancor and making it full CG. I am so glad they did not do that. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine if it was the same CG as, like, the those the lizards? <laughs> yeah, or whatever they're called, like the dewbacks or whatever that the fucking soldiers ride. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah appropriate. Oh, could you imagine? Oh, my God. I was just imagining a singing Rancor for some reason. That's just me. <laughs> Puts on a top hat. Just, Hello, my baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say, that, like, oh, it really feels disconnected from... The second half of the movie we pretty much get once we get to, like, the Ewoks, all the, like, actual rebel fighting stuff. But what I really like about this is it, it feels like it's fulfilling the promise of what you got back in A New Hope with the most likely cantina scene. Because it's really, like, uh-huh. you're an even larger step into the criminal underground that is in Tatooine. And there are so many great creature designs that they don't focus on immediately. It's just, like, all part of the set dressing. It's like... Sam kind of said there's a painting element to it in terms of it does feel like just this big elaborate showcase of what, you know, the underbelly of this criminal underworld is, but they don't focus on too many of them too often. It's just mainly Jabba, obviously, and Jabba's such a wonderful, practical creature effect. Probably the one of the best puppet effects that's been ever been in a movie just because of how elaborate and crazy that is and how much it feels like an actual, real living, breathing creature. Especially when you consider, like, there are three people inside the suit there's, like, a guy doing the eyes. There's a different guy doing the voice. And it all comes together perfectly. Yep. The other thing... I, I Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot this. So, there's a part where C-3P gets escorted by the uh, Gamorrean guards. And there's a bit where it turns into the droid version of Hostel. With these droids getting tortured <laughs> and branded. <laughs> and I forgot how brutal that was. Like, holy shit. Droids live, like, a very rough life in this universe, I feel. And that scene, that right there, was just like, I would never want to be a droid, ever, <laughs> in a Star Sets in this, in this fucking uh, uh, world. We should also probably talk about some of the other side characters that do appear in here, obviously, like Aleia, who, you know, starts off the movie in the metal bikini, and from then leads the sort of big assault on Endor. And for a while, I always thought that, like, the movie, you know, didn't really treat her as well as especially, like, a Luke or even Han getting what he is, despite how lesser of a character he is. But upon this rewatch, I especially found a lot more of an interesting kind of like resolution to what she had throughout the entire trilogy from going from just a princess to being a general and especially leading this big assault 
on Endor and actually getting the trust of the Ewoks and all this other stuff. It shows how much she's improved as a diplomat over this amount of time. And even the scene where she finds out that she's a Force user and a, the sibling of Luke Skywalker, especially I think this is one of those cases where the sequel films have actually benefited some of the earlier ones. I think it gives that whole bit a, a new weight that I didn't really anticipate in there of like her really realizing her lineage and what her power can potentially be. Oh yeah, she's becoming General Leia. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's becoming the leader now. She is the last leader of the rebellion. This to me this is also Carrie Fisher's best performance in all in all the movies too. Except for maybe Last Jedi, she was actually really good in that. But uh the original three, this is her finest performance as well, I would say. I would agree. She's not doing a fake British accent. Um, like she is in the yeah, what the show. fuck was that about? <laughs> she, what the she, fuck? And you can see her still kind of doing that in the holiday special, which we'll once again get to. <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, I would agree that I think it's her, her best performance in the original trilogy, um, especially because, to be fair, her scene partner is Harrison Ford not giving a shit. Like, in that scene where, like, her and Luke have that, like, talk, it's actually, like, really dynamic and effective, and you can tell she's really, like, overcome with so much emotion. And then Harrison Ford really just strolls and just like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Do you like me? Oh, you don't like me? Oh, well, I'll I guess, leave. I guess you like Luke more shucks, kicks rock. <laughs> God, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you, Sam? What do you think of Carrie Fisher in this? I feel like her her, uh, her heart just switched a bit from the, the stuff uh, near Jabba's Palace. I think... It was all about her, just, just like her, like while she was like in that that safe bikini, she kind of just came around and wound up uh, actually retaliating and, and and doing stuff. But the thing is, is that I didn't really like fully get into her character until, like you said, when we got to the Ewok stuff and her just commanding these these little these little teddy bears in the battle. I thought the way that was done, like I thought she did a good job. I thought that they actually gave her some some stuff to do there, even though it wasn't like what like I would have expected her to have done at this point, like. I would expect her to help lead the charge on the the the, the fleet toward the, the Death Star, but but for what it's worth here, it's it's pretty good. She's uh, yeah, Carrie Fisher uh, does a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I also like just transitioning into some of the other side characters. A lot of the stuff with C three PO here. This is the movie where I think they actually utilize C three PO's whole role as a translator the best from Jabba's palace to with the Ewoks. I love a lot of the scenes of C three PO essentially being like this god and not knowing what to do with it. That he's yeah. he, this his personality type is so much more meek and servitudal that he's just like um oh dear I don't know what I should do as a god I'm so yeah. confused Master Luke um I, I I think a lot of that stuff works pretty well to me on uh, some of the better three PO and R two stuff even on the sail barge and stuff like that um and even like the whole sequence where he's essentially telling the story of Star Wars to the Ewoks with the Ben Burt sound effects yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's so cool. Yeah, I I really loved a lot of that stuff. And even, I think Lando, I think, uh, has the most interesting arc here. They just don't use him enough because they sideline him for more fucking Han Solo, which sucks. Because yeah. he's going from a smuggler to a general. And they just have a scene where she's like, right, yeah, dude. I can't believe it either, man. It's pretty fucked up, right? And anyway. He, <laughs> and he blows up the Death Star. Yeah, again, he blows up the bigger Death Star. Right, without the fucking force. Just with great hair and a mustache. And, well, and don't forget Nian Nub. Yeah, time. that fucking weird-ass thing. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> that, that dude can't be my co-pilot any day. Lando's awesome in this movie. 
Yeah, Lando's great. It should have been more Lando that because you know you could tell Billy D actually gave a shit as compared to Harrison Ford, who really did not care. Well, yeah, because he had he had more charisma from the start, whereas Harrison Ford is just like, oh, I don't know, she loves me. <laughs> right. I guess I'll hey, go for and do my he's thing. Just, he's just like, hey, I told him you were a good pilot. I didn't know they were going to promote you all the way here. You must be crazy. Anyway, where are those teddy bears at? <laughs> what, Bi- Billy D just oozes coolness. Mm-hmm. Anytime he's on screen, he's like the slickest dude in the room. I I love Billy D. Williams, man. That's one of the things I, I, I was just watching. It's like, man, like it's it's like, but it's just disappointing that character didn't really because like I, I do like the fact that there's the possibility of uh, of a Lando movie being talks, but just like Billy D. Williams as as Lando, like he, there could have been more there. I felt also because like he, like you said, Tom, like Harrison Ford, I, I just don't care. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just really don't care. They were poising it, too, to happen because at the end of Empire, he's wearing Han Solo's outfit. I guess because he's like, oh, shit, I didn't bring any new clothes. I guess Han's got a closet on the Millennium Falcon. I might as well <laughs> just steal his shit. They yeah, you can him. tell. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That they were going to kill off Han Solo. That was in the works, maybe. And that Billy D. Williams Lando was going to take over that part. Plus, I'm sure, Sam, don't worry, because J.J.'s like, oh, man, we don't have Carrie Fisher. Hey, Billy! You got, like, a few months to shoot something for episode 9? We need a new cast member. We killed <laughs> off the other two. Mm-hmm. He'll do it. Oh, oh. oh for no, sure. No, no, he has so much more integrity. He has so much more he's doing. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll do whatever you need. I guess to close things off, we should probably directly more address the Ewoks, which, as we've mentioned, have been sort of a point of contention for a lot of fans and what people hate so much. Adam, I can tell you love them. Go ahead. All right. I know that the original idea, well, I don't know, I guess, but I've read that the original idea was for it to be Planet Kashyyyk, and it was supposed to be the Wookiee planet. And then George Lucas went in and said, no, 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 make them smaller, make them cuter. You know, obviously to to appeal to kids and to sell toys, of course. I would have killed to see a planet of Wookiees combating stormtroopers and the Empire. I think that is such a great idea that was just not used. And instead you got little teddy bears. Which, now that I'm older and I watch it, Believe it or not, it doesn't bother me as now as much as it did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I hated the Ewoks. I thought they were so annoying. Now it's like, yeah, it doesn't bother me too much, I guess. I still don't like them, but just what could have been. Well, I mean, it, I think it helps that they are treated as sort of like definitely a primitive, almost feral species initially when they encounter them. Like the little wicked guy played by Warwick Davis, his first entry in the Star Wars franchise, and he would pre in, like, most of the other ones to follow. Uh, I, I think is like, it's a strong in-a-suit performance for a Star Wars movie. And then, keep in mind that when they initially meet our heroes, they're set to cook them and eat them pretty much. Like, these Ewoks yeah. are very clearly, like, despite being teddy bears, dead set on murdering and consuming our heroes. And it's a weird sort of anything like a colonialism metaphor thing, because clearly our heroes take this primitive culture, fool them with a golden object that treats them as a god, and then force them to combat like their enemy at a later point. I think it's it's a lot more interesting, a lot more of like a gray area than I think people give it credit for. 
um, with the Ewoks. And plus, a lot of the sequences where they are taking down the Empire, I think, have some pretty cool moments of, like, our giant technology versus primitive culture and the primitive culture succeeding with stuff like the logs destroying that one walker thing and some of these i think other like the catapults and this other stuff i i really like a lot of the scenes of battle even though they can be kind of silly i still think they show off a lot of spunk and gumption that makes that battle more interesting than the wookies would have been fun but at the same time i think that would have been more of, like, an even match, because Wookiees inherently, like, we learned that Chewbacca can rip off arms in the original, like, Star Wars. He said, like, don't, he'll rip off your arm out of your socket, as opposed to there's more of, like, a challenge and a lot more uh, stakes at hand, I think, where you have, like, tiny Ewoks being our main sort of battle, and I think that that's more interesting to me, arguably. Sam, where do you stand on Ewok Gate? Uh, well, Ewoking is my favorite uh, activity during the day, where I go around in my, my Ewok suit and do, like, 10 uh, kilometers of jogging. Well, here's the thing. Wookiees women cool. Everyone knows Wookiees women cool. But what we have here is um, the, an interesting race portrayal. It, it always, it, like, the thing about Ewoks, along with the other things mentioned here in terms of, like, other, like, races, it's just, like, Star Wars and the question, is this racially offensive, kind of go hand in hand <laughs> at certain times. Yep. And I feel like that was kind of, that was almost maybe the case here, but I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. However, the other important thing here is that they also show them, like, they these guys can die. <laughs> like, they literally show them, like, an Ewok mourning over the loss of his friend who just died. In front of them, I and mean, that's such an important thing to do because, like, these could have been easily been jokey uh, kitty characters, but while they were still that, they show that no, there's there's repercussions into like fighting these giant like uh, um, mechs. Those Ewoks, those Ewok TV movies really should have been about Ewok PTSD after the Battle of Endor. Yeah, it should have been because <laughs> like it's like, just like, the Deer Hunter, but with Ewoks is basically what we all really <laughs> wanted. <laughs> yeah, Russian roulette. <laughs> yeah, and, well, I do agree. What they should have done is is a definitely a far superior idea with the Wookies. In fact, what they could have done is they could have had like have the Kashyyyk be a primarily dominant uh, Wookie plant, but also have their neighboring species be the Ewoks. I think that would have right. created some interesting conflict and, and tribalry going on. But regardless for what it is here, I didn't mind as much. I honestly like I was I was never like. Oh, Ewoks are, are terrible because they're they're just they're just a very unique, interesting species. Um, and I'm, I'm like that with almost every single race of Star or as well with the, the exception of the the fucking traitors in the the prequels. But who are just like Sammy? Yeah, what are you talking about? Hey. Not defensive at all. <laughs> My name Wado. Um, <laughs> it's like they're adorable too. I think we can wrap up our thoughts here overall on Return of the Jedi. Uh, final thoughts, Adam, on Return of the Jedi. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, out of the original trilogy, it's to me the weakest one out of the three, but there's still enough in there. You can't take away how important it is. It was the last one in what was thought to be for God. How long between this and the prequels? The final film in one of the most beloved trilogies of all time. So you can't take away from it for that. If you are able to see the unedited version, I would go with that. I think it holds strong at number three there. Sam? This movie, the more I watch it, the more I feel like it is. It definitely feels like the more underrated one in, in the trilogy to me. Just because um, 
for the longest time, this movie got so much backlash because because of its tie-in to, to the, the the fucking Ewoks. And but at the core of it, uh, the lead-up toward the end with with Luke and Palpatine and Vader, I thought was all like so invigorating and interesting. And it's just in and honestly, for whatever problems I had with the movie. I think the ending and just that final clash more than make up for it in many ways. In fact, the scene between Vader and Luke, maybe my favorite scene in the entire trilogy, um, in all in all honesty, just because there's so much character going on, there's so much there's so much emotion being weighed in that while I do there are certain scenes in, in uh, Empire that are, that are great and even uh, um the first one, but this one, I think, really stands itself apart, and that's why that's probably... It, it's not going to beat Empire, because it's, it's Empire, but for what it's worth, it's, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that like Empire and A New Hope are better movies. Even Last Jedi, I, I'm personally a big defender of, I would say, is a probably better movie than this overall. But I think there are such major heights in Jedi that I don't really think it deserves to be ignored as much as it does. There's stuff that doesn't work. Like, we mainly said Han Solo is very much lost in a drift. It's a shame when his most interesting, invigorating moment is when he's realizing that it's like, oh, wait, you're brother and sister, and the great memes that have popped up of him, like, remembering back on the incestuous kiss in Empire Strikes Back, and then <laughs> while he's making those faces, oh. uh, stuff like that. But... I think also just especially a lot of the stuff with Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, and the Emperor is some of my favorite stuff in the entire Star Wars saga overall. And I still have such deep emotions every time I see the moment of Luke burning his father on that pyre. I think is a beautiful shot. I think it's one of the best just shots in general of the Star Wars saga. And it's, you know, gets a lot of crap. Ewoks get a lot of crap. But yeah, I think it's uh, hopefully it gets more appreciation um, over the you know next several decades when Disney uh, fucking burns this to the ground <laughs> as, as they just overuse the Star Wars characters. But you know they, they've got a lot of spinoffs planned, but they wouldn't have any of these spinoffs without the OG of the Star Wars spinoffs, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Now it's time for the airhorn theme of the Star Wars uh, <laughs> holiday special. Hey, CBS, what's coming on? On Friday night, blast off to a galaxy far, far away. It's the Star Wars holiday special, starring all your Star Wars favorites. Will Chewbacca get home to his planet in time for the big Wookiee holiday celebration? Find out on the star-studded Star Wars holiday special, Friday at 8, 7, Central and Mountain. You're on. This is CBS. Um, but yes, uh, originally aired on CBS on November 17th, 1978. Uh, there was a lot of hype behind it because this is the first Star Wars sort of product that came out post the first Star Wars coming out, which we need to remind people that um, when the first Star Wars came out, it was a blindsiding kind of sleeper hit that no one anticipated because 20th Century Fox famously was like, whatever the fuck, yeah, you can keep your merchandising rights, Lucas, this is gonna be a bomb, no one's gonna like it, you went through several different edits, and it's been a terrible production, it'll never work out, and it became the biggest movie of all time. And right, to the point where I think they only aired the trailer, like, once or twice in primetime television. 
Right, yeah, and they famously were originally going to release it in December of 1976, and then the post-production went for so long, it was summer of 77, and it's like, whatever, it's not going to work. Then it worked, and everyone's like, oh, fuck, Star Wars, we need to make shit for Star Wars! Star Wars? <laughs> that was famously, they didn't have enough toys from Kenner to make demand, so they had to, like, put out little cardboard boxes and stuff like that, and promise kids, like, we'll mail you the fucking action figures if you send the proof of purchase over. So, the big thing is, Lucas was working on Empire Strikes Back, and he figured, man, we need to get some kind of thing in there to make people remember the Star Wars brand, even though it was the biggest movie of all time. People might forget about Star Wars by 1980, I guess. I don't know. Um, so... He commissioned a primetime television special based on a rejected pitch that he had about a Wookiee planet, and they turned it into a crappy variety show. Oh my god, I mean, and that, I mean, you're underselling it. You are <laughs> underselling how bad it is. Right, so bad that it's never been commercially released. It only aired on November 17, 1978, and has only been circulating around via tapes that have been going around. Of course, now it's on YouTube. Um, but I, I don't know, is Disney going to put out the the special, cleaned-up holiday special when George Lucas dies? Is that going to happen at some point? Do you think they'll ever even bother releasing this in some form? No. Well, someday I can dream, and maybe one day it will get translated, and we will get our fully restored holiday special. 4K edition of the 4K Star Wars 4K edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you want you want the unaltered uh, original trilogy? Well, too bad. Here's holiday special. <laughs> two extra hours of content. Like that's the thing they they put out the Blu-ray that's like unaltered special edition. It's just three discs of the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the extended version of Itchy Jack it off to a soul singer <laughs> or whatever the hell was going on. All right, there. let's ask this. Is there anything good about the Star Wars Holiday Special? Harvey Corbett just chewing up scenery for no reason and everything. <laughs> the three characters he does. See, I like, can agree with the Stir Whip, Stir Whip character. That That's fun. Even though it's clearly blackface and it's weird. Why is it blackface? Oh, yeah. so Why? <laughs> Why is it? It's a Julia Child parody. Why are we doing blackface? That's really weird. I don't know. Um, but then there's the computer instruction program thing. Which feels like the precursor to every awful Tim and Eric sketch that I hate. And then the thing with B. Arthur where he's a sexual predator. It's like, this lady's just trying to work at her bar and you're literally coming up and like hugging her when she's saying, no, don't do that to me. That's the thing. That, if there's one thing that I thought was genuinely good. Well, like, there were like two things. But this is like the one that I thought was the most gen- genuine was um, was just B. Arthur. Just, just like like doing her last hurrah at the, at the bar at, at the cantina. And just like her getting her just saying uh, goodbye to all her fellow patrons and and visitors, and I thought that was endearing until he shows up, <laughs> a fucking volcano stalker. You know, guys, we've never seen each other in person, but I gotta admit, I also have a volcano head. So Damn I'm it. taking this very offensive right now. Look, we're not we're not saying you would also be a sexual predator, Adam. We're not. I have a volcano head. What else can I do? I can't argue with that. Right. What else are you going to do? But, you know, I actually kind of agree with Uh, Sam on this in terms of that segment. While, obviously, 
I don't know what it's doing there. I don't know why we're cut, keep cutting to television footage while we're fucking in the middle of a situation that feels like the Wookiees are being attacked by space Nazis and are, who are invading their home on Kashyyyk. And meanwhile, it's just like, oh, let's cut to a cartoon and this and all this other stuff. I still <laughs> yes. think I still think the B. Arthur thing, I, I agree that I think she's giving it way more emotion than it deserves. That she's like, oh, look at this giant rat thing. It's like, I'm sorry, fellas. We got, I, I want to keep you here, but the Empire is closing us down. It, it feels a lot more genuine than I would ever expect. And I kind of felt invested. I'm like, why don't we have the cheers, but with B. Arthur on the most likely cantina? That sounds way better than this fucking special overall does. Look, man, that's because Dorothy don't give a fuck. Dorothy's a badass. I'll give you guys that. B. Arthur, she she does care a lot more than she should. And she probably cares more than any other person in this whole special. And she's in it for, what, five minutes? Maybe five minutes? Yeah. Out of an hour and 40? <laughs> so, I mean, I guess. Yeah, B. Arthur. Okay, I'll give you B. Arthur, and I'll give you Harvey Corbin as the black-faced Julia Child. <laughs> Which still doesn't make sense. <laughs> with, with four arms as well. That's just the thing that they uh-huh. eventually reveal as well. Um, but Sam, you were saying there was some. Was there something else you mentioned? So that that, that animated short was was uh, I thought it was solid, despite its its Zelda CDI ish moments. Um, it had some really fun stuff in there. In fact, you were talking about Boba Fett earlier. This is actually the one time where I actually thought Boba Fett was cool. Because he was actually interacting, he had dialogue. He was kind of like uh, the man with no name, but in space, kind of. Because he like he he had very mysterious like little excerpts, he, and he kept saying the same certain things. And there was this whole like, is he with the Empire or is he with with the Rebellion uh, thing going on until the end? But I did like the way uh, that was handled, and also like the the, the voice actor, um, the way he was delivering his, delivering his lines in that in that short. But the, the one thing that the short couldn't say was Harrison Ford, who had two, was that two or three lines in, in the short, and he couldn't nail any of them. And the animation's oh. even terrible for him, too, where just all rubbery, just like, what happened? <laughs> he looks like Kylo Ren. That's true. <laughs> it looks like Kylo <laughs> Ren. Yeah, kind of no, you know what? The short felt very uh, Ralph Bakshi. Yes, I agree uh, with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, it felt like I was watching like a snippet of wizards even with Boba Fett on the giant thing it, it, it reminded me of uh, Peace the red android and wizards on his little slimy creature and I honestly could have swore it was him until I looked it up a little more so they totally just aped his style right and it's interesting because wizards also had a very early voiceover performance by Mark Hamill and uh-huh. this is also some of the early examples of Mark Hamill doing voiceover which he would do a much better job of later, as yes. opposed to here. But I, I agree with the, the short overall, yeah. I, I wish there was more of sort of that as well. It, it feels it, It's interesting, especially because it feels like, in a way of it being like this thing that the Lumpy is watching, it's like, oh, this is part of the universe of Star Wars, is within our the pop culture. These characters have already gained so much fame, they have a fucking Saturday morning cartoon show. That's interesting, and I, I like how it's sort of that weird depiction of those characters and also including in, like, I agree it's the best performance of Boba Fett in the entire, probably, fucking saga. And also, he's got some good legs. Like, he does not skip oh, leg yeah. day at all. Based no. on that show. Yeah. But fuck it, yeah, everything else is garbage. <laughs> everything else yeah, is so 
amazingly yeah, was, awful seventies kitsch. Yeah. I just I, I was watching it going, man, Mark Hamill could have used more makeup. <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting because this was this was not too long after the accident that happened. And that, it's like, obvious. Oh my god, yeah. It's obvious. The it's makeup like, is caked you know, on him so fucking thick. He looks like a Victorian opera singer. I was gonna say, yeah, it's just like he's just one cut away from from saying, "Oh yes." The moment that cracks me up in the special the most is when he says, "Now Nala, let's see that smile." And the Wookiee just like looks around <laughs> and then opens its mouth slightly, and he's like, "There it is." <laughs> it's the funniest moment of the whole fucking special. <laughs> I don't know. Every time we got a close up of Lumpy. Oh, they love me yeah. too. There's so ninety percent of the special is terrible close-ups of awkward things that can't move. Oh, oh it's horrible. <laughs> and and Jefferson Starship with a phallic microphone, a phallic okay. microphone. That was my my least favorite thing about this entire special because when that happens, we're in the middle of like this family is in a very perilous situation where they could possibly die, and they now, could have just escaped. They could have yeah. just left. Or, or, hit, or hit that Imperial officer while he's so dazzled that he's literally tapping his finger multiple Je- times. You could have just... Digging Jefferson Starship. Just digging it, man. Like, they changed that guy's world. <laughs> they could have just left. And, well, and, yeah, Art, and Art Carney out. also does nothing. Art Carney oh, as proto-Lando... Um, just being there and just, <laughs> like, setting up this fucking holographic machine. And also, Itchy's weird porn hair dryer thing. That was insane. I, I'm watching it and I'm going, dude, is he like, is, are they? Oh my god, he is. I think he is. Kids want more of this, this old hairy guy's porno collection. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. Sam and I were watching this together and we kept playing the game of what is a seven-year-old in 1978 thinking as the special goes along? If they were to stick around after a certain point. Because the special starts off with Chewbacca and Han Solo, and a seven-year-old would be like, Oh my fucking god, it's Han Solo and Chewbacca, and they're in the Millennium Falcon, and they're being chased by TIE Fighters, this is so great! And then we get to the Wookiees, like, okay, Chewbacca's family, sure, I like Wookiees! And and then there's no subtitles, and they speak forever, and you don't know what's happening. I mean, at all. At all. It was for Wally, folks. And yet their computer (laughs) screens, when they're making calls, are in English. (laughs) <laughs> like, searching for ship signal it's just plain english like because how long is it before like when we first see them and then that sequence where they actually talk to luke who's off somewhere with r2d2 it's a good 15 minutes yeah it's forever <laughs> and, yeah God. and I, I got a better question for you. what were the parents of the seven-year-old thinking when the porn scene came up i i think they were probably just like yeah you go watch that while we I don't know, watch Flying High, which, if you watch with commercials, they keep advertising Flying High coming next. The commer- I recommend so much if you ever actually try and watch this, watch it with the commercials. It, it really, like, the commercials yes. honestly feel better than watching the special. It's an entirely, it's like watching a time capsule, but a time capsule that I actually enjoyed because of it. It's, it's so fascinating, because there's a certain point where a commercial playing, it's, it's a husband and wife's, Wife bickering over their their um their bathroom cabinet. cabinet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then the, the the guy's just like, oh well, I have my, my tooth floss here, and I have my toothbrush here, and then the woman's like, well, I have my a single product that I'm gonna show to you folks and hope that you buy. <laughs> Cut to the next commercial. So there's there's atom bomb testing over in this part of the country. <laughs> oh yeah, the news segment's so great where it's like there's atom bomb testing. 
and it's snowy in Wisconsin. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that's the news break <laughs> that aired. Oh. <laughs> Those commercials are the amazing. Contrast, the contrast is amazing. It couldn't have been any better. <laughs> it's pretty great. And General Motors was all over this special. Because it's yeah, sponsored, Motors, yeah. sponsored by General Motors. Make sure you buy General Motors products. There's like, fucking Star Wars special. We're in. Probably weren't. <laughs> Uh, um, but let's get back to the actual Star Wars of it all with some of these other people like okay we talked about Harrison Ford in Return of the Jedi now did he care less here or in Return of the Jedi is the question I don't know that's a hard question that is actually a really hard question because I don't know either (laughs) I'm going to say it's on equal footing (laughs) you know I will say to me it's got to be the special of nothing else there's a point during the ending when Carrie Fisher sings her song her terrible awful song and it cuts to Harrison Ford and it's just a stagnant shot of him looking down and not smiling he smiles a couple times in Return of the Jedi he makes the troll face in Return of the Jedi at one point he just looks completely dead inside by the end of the holiday special (laughs) I think that's the origin point of grumpy Harrison Ford is the ending of the Star Wars holiday special you know, what, you know what's great about that is that Ch- uh, uh, Chili also has the same face as him at points, too. So it's like they're mimicking each other. Oh, God, the amazing montage at the end of it where it just keeps cutting to Chewbacca's stagnant, what? dead face. Yeah. What was that about? He's just looking well, straight at the camera like, hey, fellas, do you remember the first movie? When oh, you want to celebrate life day, but you're dead inside. <laughs> and, of course, this was very much prime Carrie Fisher coked up. As you can blatantly oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. And she's admitted several times over, just like, oh, yeah, I didn't have no memory of shooting that special. Um, Which and, is, again, probably for the best. Especially when, like, there's the scene of her and C-3PO, they're at that weird station, and she's doing something with papers. Like, there's no actual work being done. She's just shuffling papers around. And then she goes up to uh, fucking the Wookiee family and is looking at the screen... But it clearly looks like she's looking at, like, the boom mic, as opposed to, like, whatever the screen would actually be. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, whole yeah. scene. Yeah, she was she was coked out of her mind. <laughs> and then her rambling at the end about just, like, this is the celebration of the Tree of Life, and this is what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Come soon to a theater near you. <laughs> uh, the only thing that could have made that ending better, that song, if everybody, every other character would have sang a part in it. Like, like all of a sudden, Vader. Yes, it's the day, the tree of life. <laughs> well, 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 that's the thing. Like, we, I was saying this, but like, there are moments where it's just like, this is what could have happened, but that would have required good writing. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, because you got Bruce Valanche and six other guys writing the special. <laughs> Fucking Bruce Valanche. Um, I. T- what are some of the more surreal moments that we haven't mentioned yet? Because there's several. There's so many weird sketches that go on, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Why are we bothering with this? The fucking oh crazy gymnasts on the chessboard. Right, Cirque du Sawuki, or whatever the fuck is going on there. What yeah. the fuck was that about? And then he just gets big and keeps blowing into, like, a flower horn, and other little gymnasts keep coming out. And Lumpy I mean, that's just what dazzled. The first ten minutes. <laughs> oh, Lumpy was eating it up, man. He was into it. He's thinking his head. I want to be a fucking gymnast now. <laughs> like, guess what, Wookie? It's not happening. 
because you don't exist. Damn it! Well, no, well, no. Remember, we had that scene where he was, he was uh, doing, he was uh, uh, walking along the, the stair rail outside of his home, where he could have easily fell to his death. So there was there was a prelude to that. Well, you know, I think I think we got the worst uh, the worst option out of that scenario. He did not fall to his death. <laughs> That's it's, to be fair. Yes, that would have been interesting. It becomes a family drama about dealing with the, the death of a child. The sequels: Chewbacca all hopped up on booze and pills, trying to deal with the death of a child. Oh, yeah. Tom, and, what's that? What's that? Hawking Phoenix, Jennifer Connelly movie where they mourn the loss of their son or something. Oh yeah, I, I know Reservation Road. Yeah, it's just Reservation Road. Yeah, Reservation Road. Oh, I no. And but you actually have subtitles, and it's just like you know, if you weren't out there cruising with Han Solo, being here with our family, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> He's like, get off my back. Adventuring's the only thing I have. It's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> Infinitely better than the special. <laughs> oh yeah, way better. Something I didn't notice until I watched this time was the stormtrooper who's got like the weird way he's cocking the gun when he's in the Wookiee household. Just like you know, I've got it like this. I think this is pretty cool, guys. I, I think uh, we're gonna go sideways. It's like the sideways gun thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> why is like, that happening? Uh, is is there any scenario where a holiday special? would have worked with Star Wars. Could you have seen a holiday special of the Star Wars universe like actually working to some degree? No. I can. Oh. But it would require the one thing Disney hates the most right now, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Oh, you know, yeah, that's... The th- you know what, Sam? You, I think we were even talking about this. Like, they, if, if in some universe where it would have been something similar to, like, the Robot Chicken specials... And it was just like, uh, you know, it was a series of sketches that dealt with that. Or even, you know what? The best TV special with Star Wars characters in it is the fucking Muppet special where they had Chewbacca and Luke Skywalker and C-3PO and R2-D2 back on the old Muppet show. That's the best holiday special we ever got. (laughs) That's true, yeah. Yeah, no, this, this thing is just garbage. Which is kind of like what what uh, this holiday special could, probably should have been, which is like very silly, but you have like some charming moments in there and stuff. Well, yeah, this isn't that at all. This is like you know, its own fucking world in this universe. Yeah, like I like I said to you earlier, Thomas, that the, our bad movie of last week was so bad it's good. To where this is so bad it's almost unwatchable. If it didn't have Star Wars attached to it and, you know, some of the actors you know in it so you can just kind of watch it and be like, what the fuck is going on? This would be an unwatchable mess. Let's segue into our final thoughts about the Star Wars holiday special. And I guess, is it the worst thing to ever come out of Star Wars? Adam? Uh, My final thoughts are that this just is an unwatchable piece of garbage. there's, There's literally nothing redeeming about this movie. Like I told you via text earlier, I am I, I deeply feel bad that this was my pick. I wouldn't wish this upon anybody. My almost three-year-old was watching it with me, and she, within ten minutes, just left the room and did not come back. So, I mean, even a three-year-old with the big fuzzy creatures and the lights and everything just does not find this entertaining. To, to me, there's nothing in it that's uh, worth a watch, period. 
Sam? As someone who celebrates a holiday, no matter where you are, this is a, a, a situation where even downing certain substances won't help. It's a it's a trip, and in Mam's case, it's a it's a fucking terrible one. In my case, it's one that I at least found interesting throughout the entire way. Like there's never a moment where I'm like completely bored at the at the very least. There's moments where I'm just like, how did they let this happen? Why are they letting this old man watch his porn in his VR headset? Um, and like. And like, there's there's so many moments like that. Like the, the like the flow of this is is terrible. There's this like the best some of the best sequences involving uh, Han Solo and Chewie. There's a there's a sequence where like they're being shot at by Tie Fighters, but you wouldn't be able to tell. There's no way you would be able to tell because it's chopped in a way where it's just like they look like they're shooting at nothing. Um. And and the the rest of the movie, uh, the the shorts like we mentioned, the two, the, the anime one, the the B Arthur one. Uh, at least, like, at least that I took something out of it. Uh, at least there was several things I took out of it. Um, like, I'll, I'll always remember Lumpy. Lumpy, I always remember, and I feel like, despite how terrible this movie is, I feel like if he's not in, in, in the new Solo movie, I'm gonna riot. I'm gonna write a letter to Disney and say, hey, why you why you retcon everything else, including this, a pivotal part in, in, in Chewbacca's history? Um, but, but in all honesty, it's it's one that while if you're a Star Wars fan, I think you have to watch this at least once to understand where the mentality of where everyone was at around the time and how something like this even got made. You may hate it, like you would like downing like uh, uh, like if you're like eight like downing fucking um, really terrible cough syrup if you had a really bad sickness or, or something. But it's it's important to. So that way you have clarity. <laughs> For perspective's sake. You might complain about like, oh man, yeah. like Ryan Johnson ruined Star Wars. It's like, oh young one, you haven't seen. Oh no. <laughs> the, the worst Star Wars has to offer. And I, I, I'm kind of with you, you Sam. On... You watch porno? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I, I'm kind of with you on this, Sam, in terms of I find it to be a fascinating relic of an era long gone by. And I think that's what's so interesting about Star Wars. If you track not just the movies, but also a lot of the weird pop culture ephemera, you really get a huge swath of all the weird culture that's been going on for the last four decades within Star Wars. Because, like, this isn't even the only Star Wars Christmas thing. After this, they did the album, which includes the song, What Do You Get a Wookiee for Christmas When He Already Owns a Comb? That's a real thing. And it's it's so weird. And this is, like, the earliest example in such a fascinating way. Like Sam said, if you are a diehard Star Wars fan, it's an interesting endurance test to go watch through this. And like Sam also said, it's never not fascinating. It can be boring, but it's never not a weird, awful train wreck that you watch and you're just like, how? Why? How can this happen? Why did this happen? It's interesting on that level. If you are willing to subject yourself for the sake of a scientific examination, an autopsy, if you will. It's interesting on that level. Otherwise, it is complete garbage and no bother. And on that note about the Tree of Life, that is the end of our episode. Uh, Before we do leave, we also have some feedback to share uh, from Stephen D., who is 
at waiting FTH on Twitter, who says, really enjoyed the new podcast and glad you've gotten the chance to talk about a broader range of stuff. Uh, means that you can do an episode about 80s Hong Kong action cinema. Two good ones? Thanks for asking. God of Gamblers and Tiger on Beat. Which, I'm not as familiar with uh, Hong Kong action cinema myself, but that sounds interesting. That's always a topic we could do. Absolutely. I'm uh, familiar with some. Not a ton. I, I've seen most of the like the Wu Tang movies. Do either of those two gods of gamblers and uh, Tiger on Beat ring a bell? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, but I'm fascinated. <laughs> Me too. Tiger on Beat alone sounds very fascinating. Right. I know what the fuck. <laughs> that tiger I mean, is on beat. He's on beat, man. That tiger's fucking on point, son. <laughs> Uh, we also want to thank uh, Chris Oliver for the music used in our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. And we also want to thank, of course, Sam Bertuxen, our first ever guest on the show. Sam, where can people find you on the internet? Twitter. Tumblr. Uh, mostly Twitter, though. Um, but it's been kind of quiet. Uh, I'm on the social sphere for a little while now. I'm just trying to prep some. And also because of uh, other lively things. Um, but if you want to find me somewhere, just just cracking jokes, <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook sometimes, but uh, I'm surprisingly more on Twitter nowadays. Just like just 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 saying whatever nonsense comes to my head. If you if uh, like this is not related to, to the movie stuff, but E3 is coming up in the next month. Uh, video game stuff. If you're interested in that, you might want to follow me. Um, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, pretty much just if you search Brutuxen, which is B-R-U-T-U-X-A-N, you'll find him. He's the only one on the internet. Yeah. Underneath that, you'll also find uh, 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 Cough Drops. <laughs> Brutuxen. Yeah. Clears a throat. <laughs> uh, um, but also you can find us um, at D-E-D-B-Pod on Twitter, and you can email us any feedback you'd want at doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com. Or you can also find us on our various Twitter accounts. I am at not the who's Tommy, and Adam is of course Malekith fan six nine six nine. Still owning it. Oh yeah, no, I'm keeping it forever. Sam knows what's up. Yeah, just keep it. Always stay there. Yep. <laughs> yes, and that is the end of our show for the night. And we do sincerely wish all of you a happy life day. No. <laughs> You fucking racist. You wish them a happy, happy life day. <laughs> if I went up and do a Wookiee call, I'm not brave enough. <laughs> <laughs>